open our ears, our hearts, our minds to hear your word, to receive from you, Lord God. And I ask you, Lord, that you would wear me this morning like a glove. That, Lord, you'd be the substance of everything that's said and done. And that, Father, at the end of this service, that we leave here changed, Lord, different than we came in. And we promise to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. High five two people and grab your seats this morning. Amen. Amen. What a great day this is. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Um, Luke chapter 2. We're going to spend most of our time in Luke chapter 2 this morning. But um, I want to just let you know, this is kind of the confessions of a, uh, a, maybe a, a secular Christian. Um, I love Christmas. I love the Christmas season. I love the music. I love uh, the lights. Um, in fact, I love the food. How many of you love the food? Come on up. Amen. Um, I love Christmas. And um, I, I remember when we were growing up, um, it, you know, back in Jamaica, you know, the, the biggest day of sales in Jamaica, the biggest selling day, the biggest shopping day in Jamaica is actually Christmas Eve. It's not, we don't have a Black Friday. You know, um, we have Christmas Eve. And uh, Christmas Eve, the stores open till all sorts of hours. I mean, it's open till late, like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. That's how it is in, in Jamaica. And what we do is we get caught up in the traffic and, and the stress and in the buying and then trying to figure out if what I buy is equal to what the other person who is, you know, what they're buying for me. You ever get into that? Like you don't want to give them a Rolex and they give you a card. So you try and figure out what, what is, you know, what's kind of appropriate, what kind of works. And so we used to get caught up. And, and then what would happen is that we would stay up late on Christmas Eve. Like we wouldn't go to bed and then wake up in the morning, open presents. Pastor and I used to stay up late till midnight. And once midnight hit, we were allowed to go into the presents. And she would rip everything apart, right? And I would take each tape off, you know, and stick them together. And, um, and take the paper off as if I was saving it for something else. I, I have no idea why I did that, but it was just like really careful and I'd take my time and do all that. And the thing is that we grew up in a house that had nothing to do with Jesus. We knew that Christmas had something to do with Jesus, we just didn't know what. And um, we knew that Christians also celebrated uh, Christmas, but we didn't know how. Um, in fact, one of the things that we knew is that they'd go to church, but we didn't know what they did beyond that. And so we used to just make Christmas about us. What's funny about this is that now that I'm a Christian, I realize that a lot of Christians actually behave the way we behave before we were Christians when it comes to Christmas. And that outside of going to church, most people can't tell the difference between how a Christian celebrates Christmas and how a non-Christian celebrates Christmas. Are you with me? Um, what I realize is this, that it's interesting to me that a lot of times um, we're caught up in the same kind of thinking that non-Christians are caught up in. I remember, you know, what I was, as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit reminded me that one year, Samantha and I were going through some financial difficulties going into December. And I remember saying to Samantha, boy, it looks like we won't have Christmas this year. And the Holy Spirit said, you know why you said that? Because you were making Christmas about you. And not about me. And 
I realize what we do a lot of times is that we act as if we're crashing the party. You see, when, when a party is happening and people are invited, the people who are invited to the party actually bring stuff for the person the party is about. Uh, the people who crash the party come to find out what they can get. So we treat Christmas as if we don't know who the birthday boy is. And so today, one of the things I really want to do is I want to help you put Christ back into Christmas as it were. I want to help us to realize that on that night that Christ was born, everyone who was invited made it all about Him. And we've got to find a way as Christians to once again make it all about Jesus. It doesn't matter what time of year. I'm not, I'm not really caught up in so much this time of year as much as I'm saying, look, if we're going to celebrate Christmas, let's celebrate it about Christ. Let's make it about Him. And for us to realize, we've got to realize that, that there are some things we've got to acknowledge in order to make it about Him. So, for us to make it about Jesus, we've got to acknowledge three things. Look at uh, Luke chapter 2. The first thing we've got to acknowledge is that God found us. God found us. Um, Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. I'm going to break up my glasses because I'm almost as old as Pastor Evan. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 8, um, chapter 2, verse 8 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Here you thought about this for a sec. Uh, here, these shepherds are out there. I don't know if you ever kind of imagined what it was like. There were no street lights out there, by the way. Just think about this. That shepherds were out there. It was pitch black. It was dark. They had their little lamps and they were trying to think. But they were minding their own business in the middle of the darkness. They were in darkness doing their life. And here it was. God found them in the middle of their darkness. God showed up when they did not expect because they were in the middle of darkness. And a lot of times, here's what happens to us. We think that because we're in darkness that He can't show up. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that, that to God, darkness is as light. In the middle of our darkness, God showed up. God found us when we were about our own business trying to hide from Him. I love it because I remember that for me... When I got saved, I remember Pastor last week, if, somebody, if you were here last week, Pastor talked about this girl who took her to church. Well, that girl who was leading her to church, I was trying to lead that girl from church. I'm telling you. So I was in my little darkness and they were walking in their little light and I was trying to get the girl to come on over to the good side. I was like Darth Vader, you know, I was like, Luke, come to the dark side. And, and so here it was, I was doing things with a girl that I shouldn't be doing, you know, I mean like a good Christian girl shouldn't be doing, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't interested in Jesus, but here it was, Jesus was interested in me. And so... I ended up going to church so that I could get the girl. And when I got to church, God slapped me in the face. How do you understand that God will do whatever it takes to get you where He needs you to be? 
He found a way to find me. And that's what he did with the shepherds. He found a way to find the shepherds. That my life changed because Jesus came into my life. That's what Christmas is really about. It's not about the babe. It's about the cross. It's about the Savior. And so here it is, like the shepherds. The shepherds, if you know anything about uh, ancient Israel, shepherds were on the lowest of the lowest when it came to occupations in Israel. Shepherds were the worst of the worst because they were always unclean. They were around unclean animals all the time. They were, they were always cleaning their sheep, doing stuff. The, the sheep would get caught. They'd have to deal with blood. They'd have to deal with flies that would get up in the, in the sheep. They'd have to deal with dead animals and they would have to deal with all sorts of things. And so when it came to being unclean, the shepherds were really the unclean people. They were always living out in the fields away from the holy place, away from the temple, away from any place of worship. The, the shepherds weren't even people who came to Sabbaths and to worship times because they were always working. In fact, they were kind of the people who would provide the sacrifice for worship, but people didn't want to interact with them because they didn't worship. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so they were a necessary evil. They were a part of the society. You knew you needed them, but you didn't really want them. And so when the shepherds were out in the fields, imagine just for a second, they're in the darkness, in the field, they know that they're already rejected by all the religious leader and all the society, they're already rejected by them, and here it is, God shows up and says, I want to have a word with you. No, I don't know, have you ever had a boss say, uh, give you like, say, hey, um, I need to see you in my office, and you don't really feel accepted by the boss? How do you feel? Now, can you imagine when God says, I want to talk to you, and you know that you're living in darkness? And so, here's what verse 9 says. It's, it's really cool. It says this, And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I bet they were. Greatly afraid. And so the first thing the angel says to them is, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news. So that's a good thing. When you walk into the boss office and he says, hey, don't be afraid, I have some good news for you. He says, oh, I'm getting a raise. Praise God. He says, I'll give you good news. Watch this. Um, and joy, uh, good news of great joy, which will be to all people. Someone said all people. In fact, if you would circle that word all there, all people. In other words, not religious people, not good people, not church people. It was to all people. This word that he was bringing was to all people that God went to the lowest of the lowest people to tell them about his good news so that every person would know that if they could get the good news, then we can get the good news too. He went to the lowest of the lowest people. You see, it's one thing if the wise men were the first ones who heard about him. That's easy because they deserve it. They've been studying. It's one thing if the Pharisees heard about them. Because if the Pharisees heard it, they'd be like, it's because we pray so much. It's because we do. But guess who God chose? God chose people who were rejected. God chose people who didn't think they deserved it. See, God chose some people who, uh, I grew up as the son of a man who was in a cult. And God chose me. To tell others about him. That don't even make sense. 
But because he did, it makes everybody else go, well, if God can use him, God can use me. And so here it is. God took them and God, hey, a shepherd's word was not even, um, was not even valid in a court of law. And God took somebody like that and made them his star witness. Wow. I like that star witness. I'm going to do a message called star witness one time about Christmas right there. Okay. I don't know if you saw that star witness star. Don't worry about it. It's a long. That's pretty good. That's pretty good though. I like that. <laughs> First Corinthians 1 verse 26. Here's what it says. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Watch this. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Oh, I can stand right here and just talk about myself right here. To put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. I don't know if you can identify with this. And the base things of the world the, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. I mean, if you're chosen this morning, you should feel good about this. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. First Peter said it this way, For you are a chosen generation a royal peace priesthood a holy nation you know what uh, that word chosen means divinely selected divinely selected it means this um my my daughter of all my children my eldest amanda is the one who knows exactly what she wants all the time um she has a list for every season of the year she has a Christmas list before anybody else even thinks that there's Christmas coming up. She already has hers. And with Amanda's uh, Christmas list, it's not just, hey, I want a pair of shoes. It is a specific shoe of a specific color, of a specific style. It, she has it down to the exact thing. Like it is always very, very precise. Do you understand what I'm saying? What, what, what Amanda does is this. She selects from all her options. Which one she prefers. God in his divine selection looked at all mankind and looked at you and said, I prefer you. I want you. I am selecting you. You are chosen by me. As so God says, guess what? Here's what Peter goes on to say. I love this because he said um, that you... You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you where? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Into his marvelous light. For you were once, for once you were not a people, but you are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now it's, in other words, once you were rejected, but now you're accepted. Once you were distanced, but now you're close. Once you were afar off, but now you're near. Once you were the people that nobody thought had any good thing coming to you, but now you're the ones that they look to. My whole family was like that. I had Christians in my family who would look at our family and say, let's not have our children play with them. 
They will invite us to their house because we were not good influence. Can I tell you that now they're calling our phone. They're blasting us up. Hey, can you talk to my son? Can you talk to my dog? Can you reach out? Can you reach out? Can you reach out? They're calling us who are not because now we are. Oh, come on now. Somebody got to help me here. Amen? I like how Marvin Sapp says it. Eh? <laughs> Marvin, Marvin Sapp says, He saw the best in me. When everyone else around me could only see the worst in me. Now, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I'll say it. Why are you going to say it? <laughs> So we've got to acknowledge that God found us. And here's the second thing. We've got to acknowledge that God gave us a gift. The, the angel said to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. I love it. God could have sent a financial advisor. Because how many of you know we need some financial help right now? Uh, he could have sent a marriage counselor because some of us really need some marriage help. He, he could have, said, he could have sent uh, a politician. Uh, we don't really need any more of those. So, <laughs> so let's, let's not. Yeah. But, but here's, here's it. He could have, if, if our greatest need was, was technology, he could have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was knowledge, he could have sent an educator. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So he sent a savior. And here's the thing. A lot of times when we get a gift that we don't want or we don't think we need, we have a couple of responses. We can either ignore it, we can get annoyed by it, right? Or we, we can um, start taking it like personal. You ever, you ever get a gift and you wonder, um, so why did I give me this? <laughs> like um, a cookbook, Really? Cooking made easy? What are they trying to say? <laughs> right? We can take some personal offense to it. And a lot of times, here's what happens to us. Is that when we don't recognize we need a savior, oftentimes we kind of see him as an offense. A lot of times, we see a savior as a threat if we don't really think we need one. I heard a story of this, this lady. I heard a story one time. This lady, she was by a, one of those four-stop places. And her car started the engine started to, to smoke. Um, but she was on her phone, so she didn't even realize that the, the thing was happening. You know, she was busy texting, you know, as many of us do. And so she was texting, and the smoke was going. This guy, right, um, right in the lane beside her, sees what's happening and jumps out of his car and tries to open the car door where the lady in it because, you know, the, the thing. Well, she looks at the guy and thinks this guy is coming to rob her. So she locks the door, gets on her phone and starts calling 911. Like, this man is about to kill me. Well, then the, the, the engine actually you know, goes in flames. And she sees the flames, opens the door, and jumps into the arms of the man who was trying to save her in the first place. Here's, here's, here's what happens. When the angel said, there's a savior, a lot of times, here's what we do. We go, we don't need no savior. And so we're busy locking our doors. We don't want you to come in. Don't invade my life. Don't invade my space. I don't want you changing up stuff. I've got this under control. I'm okay. And God is busy trying to say, you don't realize, but there's some fire coming your way. 
Instead of angels said, hey, there's a Savior. Here's a Savior. God says he has given us this gift, and this gift is the Savior. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What a powerful word. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Um, Jesus calls himself a gift. It, when, remember when he was speaking to that woman at the well? And he's talking to her. And uh, he asked her for some water. And she says, what am I going to draw water with and stuff? And then he says these words to her. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would ask me for a drink. Jesus says, that I am the gift of God to you. The most famous uh, passage in the Bible, you know it, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. The greatest gift we could have ever received is that God gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love uh, this breakdown I found on the internet. L listen to what it says. For God... The greatest giver, so loved the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need, that he gave the greatest act, his only son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes the greatest decision, in him, the greatest person, should not perish the greatest promise, but have the greatest certainty, eternal life, the greatest possession. That's good right there. That's good right there. Come on, clap your hands. That's good right there. So Christmas should remind us that the greatest giver gave us his greatest gift. And when we get away from that, we make it about us and not about him. And when we celebrate Christmas, we need to really focus and make him the center so we need to acknowledge that he found us. We need to acknowledge that he gave us a gift. But we also need to acknowledge that he requires a response. Because every time we give a gift of any worth or value, we expect the person who received the gift to respond in some way. Am I right? We received an awesome gift. And so God expects us to have a response. And the response is awesome in Luke chapter 2 verse 17. We're going to jump down and see how, the, uh, how these shepherds responded to what had happened. He says this, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. The first way in which to respond to what God has done is to simply make Christmas a time to witness. Make Christmas a time to witness. You realize that more than any other time of year, that people are open to hearing about Jesus. Yes. Christmas is so easy to talk to people about Jesus because everybody else is talking about it. I mean, uh, you know, the Virgin Mary had a baby boy. You know what I mean? I mean, it's all over the place, right? Oh, holy night. You know, even if, even if you do it like, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, what's that guy? Frank's, uh, no, 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 Nat King Cole. You know what I mean? He says, oh, Holy night, the stars are brightly shot. Everything pronounced. It's all over the place. It's easy to talk to people about Jesus during Christmas. The thing about, about Christmas, Christmas opens so many opportunities for us to connect with people. And here's the thing. You know, many of us don't even tell our children how Jesus found us. 
even though that's what we need to be doing, that's what Christmas is all about. It was a great time to sit down with your kids and let them know your story and how Jesus changed your life, how he found you and saved you. But here's the thing. Not only should you do it personally, but as a church, we have this opportunity next week, Saturday, to be a part of a day called generosity. When we can get together and go out to our community and witness to them about the goodness of God and how he found us and saved us and he's here to do the same for you. Man, you can make Christmas about Christ when you join us and become a part of this. Because this is what Christmas ought to be about. It's about to witness about who he is. There's no greater way to do that than to be a blessing to somebody and let them know it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. You know, the, the, the guys, uh, the, the angels that turned up didn't say, uh, for unto you is born this day a Savior Christ the babe. He said, Christ the Lord. And a lot of times, even the babe in the manger can become a distraction from the king on the cross. A lot of times, we make it about God coming to earth, when really it ought to be about why God came to earth. And so, it's a time for worship. But here's the other thing it is as well. It's also a time of wonder. It's a time to wander. Make Christmas a time to wander. Um, look at verse 18. I love this. It says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things. All those who heard the shepherds marveled at those things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What are you marveling at this Christmas? Is it the cost of the thing you really want? Oh my God, is it that much? What are you marveling at? What are you pondering in your heart? The bills? <laughs> the stress? What's in your heart? Here's what God was saying. Here's what God said to you. We've got to marvel at what He has done. We've got to marvel at who He is. We've got to take Christmas and take some time to just step back from all the distractions and just say, God, when I think about all you've done for me this year, when I think about who you've been in my family and in my life, God, you are awesome and wonderful. I marvel at how you did it. You didn't have to do it, but look what you did. And as a church, we have an opportunity to marvel together on the land at 4 o'clock on Sunday when we turn dirt and we stand back and we say, you know what, I'm just shutting out all of these distractions, all these things, and I'm looking at what God has done in our church. We're about to build a building. Come on, everybody. Look what God has done. Man, what an awesome, I love that we're doing this during Christmas. Because now it's about Him. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's a time to wonder. Here's the last thing. We've got to make Christmas a time to worship. Uh, the, the shepherds went on. Verse 20 says this. The shepherds left after they had finished all that. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen 
and as it was told them. The shepherds left that place worshiping God. Worshiping God. What an awesome thing to do. Do you take time to worship God during Christmas? Or is it um, kind of like me before I got saved? Is it kind of like, what did I get? What did I get? What did I get? You see, I don't, I don't allow the kids to open up their kids at midnight the way I did when I was growing up. I say, you know what? You're going to wait. I, I let them wait a long time. You're going to wait. You're going to eat breakfast. We're going to sit down. We're going to pray. <laughs> We're going to read the scriptures. <laughs> because here's what I'm trying to teach them. That we've got to put him first. We've got to put him first. And so the whole, the whole routine is, let's spend some time honoring the one who this is about. And next week, Sunday morning, as a church, you know what? That's what we get to do. We get to bring our best gift for the one whose birthday it is. We get to honor the guest of honor. We get to come in here next week, Sunday, and worship him in the middle of... Can you imagine there is Christmas going all around, and there is a group of people who are actually worshiping Christ during Christmas? That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to worship him, amen? <laughs> and so, I want you to recognize that this Christmas, for us to make him center, let's make it a time to witness... A time to wander and a time to worship. Because at the end of my life and your life, God's going to ask us one question really when it comes down to it. And he's going to ask you this. What did you do with my gift? What did you do with my son Jesus? And whether you're saved or not saved, the question is still relevant to you. Because if you're not saved here today, uh, the wrong answer is, I went to church, I heard about him, I read about him, I knew people who knew him. That's the wrong answer. Here's the right answer. I met him. I met him, I loved him, I fell in love with him, I gave my life to him, I surrendered all. If you are a Christian, here's the question he's going to ask you as well. So what did you do with the gift? And here's the wrong answer if you're a Christian. I kept him. I hid him. I acted like those who didn't have him at all. Today I want us to make a commitment to make Christ the center of our Christmas. I want us to make a commitment that personally we'll do it. And as a church, we'll do it. Can you join me with that? Is that all right? All right, bow your heads with me, would you? Just say this with me. Just say, Father, in Jesus' name, I give you this Christmas. I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my Christmas. I choose to witness. I choose to wonder. I choose to worship I'm putting you first not to make it about me but to make it about you and just sit right there for a second because for some of you the Lord is even speaking to you about people you need to reconcile with for Christmas so 
things he's been talking to you to do and obedience that you need to just carry out for Christmas. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you've never asked him to be Lord of your life, if you're unsure whether he's truly your Savior or not, then this morning, God has given you this gift. Don't let it stay wrapped up. Don't let it stay unopened. Jesus is here for you. And you may not realize it, but we all need a Savior. All of us. If you're here and maybe at one point you did follow Jesus, but you've kind of gotten off track and you've just kind of drifted and you need to recommit your life to Him, then this morning I'm speaking to you as well. Or maybe you're someone who's here and you say, you know what, I want to make Word of Truth my home church. I want to connect with a good church and this is the church that I sense that God is saying, you need to be here. Well, you know, the Bible says that those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And we want to see you flourish, we want to see you bless, we want to see you grow, we want to see you accomplish all the things that God has for you. But that starts with putting your roots down in a good church home. And we're here to serve you. So if you follow